Welcome to episode number 60 of the Marine Layer podcast. On today's pod, the Mariners are still alive. Somehow, someway, against all odds, they continue to fight another day. We'll discuss that. We have a Russell Wilson umpire of the week. And also, we'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. This show is brought to you by Pagacha's Pub 85. Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland, just east of 405 with some great parking. It's got the best pizza in, the, in town. It's your go-to spot to go watch sporting events, grab some great drinks, hang out with your friends. If you're not going to the ballpark this weekend, head over to Pagacha's Pub 85 and go watch a Mariners game. Go hang out with your friends. Go cheer them on. There's 22 TVs in the place. And get there early, too. You know why? Because they've got some great happy hour specials, especially during the week, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m., happy hour over at the pub. It is $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Wells, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 house wines. You can do all of that, eat some great food, get some great drinks, hang out with your friends, watch the Mariners or whatever sports you want to over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Go check it out. And before we start the show, your reminder to listen on our audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Follow us, download our episodes, leave us a five-star reviews. Leave us a five-star review on all those audio platforms. It really does help us out. We've got a video side to the podcast on YouTube. You want to see TJ and I's facial expressions about where the Mariners stand for the rest of the season? Well, you can go watch us on the video side as TJ <laughs> may or may not be giving a thumbs down for the listeners right now. Hey, I did go, a thumbs up too. Okay. Go watch us on YouTube. Hit like, comment, subscribe. Make sure to subscribe and turn the notification bells on and on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts. We're always active there. Go follow us at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording late at night post game on Thursday. September 28th, sources tell me, Lyle, the Mariners against all odds, against the advice of one TJ Mathewson, stay alive for one more day. They're alive. They are not dead. They're still fighting. They keep fighting. This is why we did this show at this time tonight, and we planned this a couple weeks in advance. We said, hey, going into the last weekend, I know a lot of the times for Wednesday shows, we'll record Monday or Tuesday. For a Friday show, we'll record Thursday afternoon. But we said, you know what? These games are going to matter. They're going to be important. Let's be timely and record right after the game Thursday. We'll stay up late to record, edit. That's totally fine because it matters. And look what happened. It's a pretty good thing we did because all they did was hit a walk-off double down to their last strike to keep themselves alive. It, no, it would have been great content regardless because it either would have been stranding the bases loaded with nobody out in the ninth inning against a melted down Aroldis Chapman and Jonathan Hernandez or this. So you get the best of both worlds. You're welcome. And now we get to sit here on a more positive note. Again, they've still got their work more than cut out for them. A game back with three to go trailing the Astros. It's not ideal, but they are certainly not dead. I have an official statement through my PR team. Um, so, from TJ Matthewson, he's still not believing. The end. Has it been your PR team tweeting all these tweets and writing all these messages all these years? Is that why you never spell anything right? It's your PR yeah, team? Yeah, I'll blame them. I'll blame them. I'm actually a good speller. 
just the people I hire aren't. They're okay. not not very adept at typing. <laughs> mm. Maybe we've talked about that on here before. TJ's texts have spelling errors left and right. No, like them. I'm I might be the world's worst typer, and that that's not a joke. Become friends with me. Like let's text a little bit, and doesn't doesn't take long to figure out. I'm I'm essentially the equivalent of the Mariners in the ninth inning with the bases loaded and nobody out down a run with the season on their line. I'm probably going to screw up against a really shitty reliever, but when it matters most with two strikes, I will dump one down the left field line and I will spell something correctly. Let's go JP Crawford. Put a fucking C on your chest for the 2024 season. Hey, he did it with one strike. So even, even more so he didn't take it all the way down to the last straw. He did it on the one, one count. We love that. What what a week, though. A lot has happened in the two days since we last discussed. It's funny because in uh, in our storylines, I was fully expecting to hop on here at, with a more somber note. I, I was I was ready. I was prepared. I had written Lyle. I mentioned to you uh, next to the storylines. I said it's over. That's what I wrote. I wrote it's over, and I realized having to record this episode. I'm like, well technically it's not over but Wednesday's game surely made it feel like it was over because man (laughs) what with the season seemingly on the line the Houston Astros a team they have beaten all season long coming and win handily again now imagine if they had won on Wednesday and then walked it off tonight now imagine how we'd be sitting here recording this podcast. Because if that scenario had played out, their magic number would be two with three games to go entering this weekend. And I'll tell you what, if they had won that game Wednesday, the city would be buzzing right now. But instead, people are half in, half out like we are. I was fully ready to go back to Wednesday's episode and clip the part where I said, it's over, they're toast. It's done. The same statement, by the way, you go check our social channels at Marine Layer Pod. There was a, a little mini TJ rant that was posted there today from Wednesday's episode where I used the words, it's over. They're done. They're toast. And I was ready to cut that, come on this podcast and just have like a button set up right here next to it. So every time like I said something, I'd just be like, oh, actually, loud, never mind. Boom. It's over. Just to re- constantly remind myself how wrong I was, uh, but as of right now, I'm still right. So, how about that? We like we like that a little bit more. Usually, we're both positive. Although I will say, if you have to pick one or the other, I think it's fair to say you're the more negative of the two of us. Is that fair? Yes. <laughs> and 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 let's be clear: both of us have been pretty miserable and frustrated with the way this team's played in the last week, along with the rest of the fan base, but. If you just have to pick between the two, I'd say that's fair. Look, Bryce Miller on Wednesday, for the first three innings, he looked really promising. And we know he's fared well against the Astros this year. It felt like, okay, he's going to flush that Ranger start. He can give them five innings of solid work. Even after that first run was allowed, you thought, all right, if he goes five and one or five and two, he keeps a minute. That's all you can ask for out of him. But then things kind of got out of hand, didn't they? Yeah, that Dubon home run, it, it felt like, well, we say this after a win, felt like kind of the season almost ended on that swing. It it just felt so crushing. And good thing, Lyle, after that home run, you turn around and you look at the Mariners lineup card and you're like, that that's it. That's a group I believe in. What a job, what a job Scott did putting together that Wednesday lineup. And a very similar one he put out there today 
like very interesting. Again, like Bryce, really not good enough. Last the last two starts, we highlighted he had to had to pitch at least decent in. Can we say he pitched decent in in either? Do we say four runs over four innings is decent? Uh, like that's I I wouldn't I really I don't think I would say so uh, with with Bryce's stretch. But the lineup he turned around to help bail him out wasn't exactly great. Very uh very interesting construction on Wednesday, Lyle. I mean, in an elimination game, what felt like uh, Dylan Moore was batting fifth, your guy, but. Dylan Moore batting fifth. Sam Haggerty was your DH. And Jose Caballero was your second baseman. So I have some numbers on this. Before I get to that, I do want to say one thing about all the lineup stuff. And I don't think anybody's been thrilled about it. Even us. We are analytics nerds. We love sabermetrics. We get the reason behind why front offices and managers make decisions like this. And even we've sat there and scratched our head about it. That being said, I am sorry, but it is not fair to pin all the blame for these lineups on Scott Service. For the fans out there that have been ripping Service and they can't stand the lineups and it's Service this, Service that, I'm sorry, but that is not a fair accusation. And I'll tell you why. Because Scott uh, Scott Service and the front office have meetings about this stuff every day. They talk about lineup construction every day, who they want to play every day. If there was such an issue with the lineups that were being thrown out there with left-handers on the mound, they would not be penciled in by Scott Service. If Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander in the front office had this much of an issue with the platoon lineups, they wouldn't be happening. So this is an organizational decision. If you want to be mad, be mad. But to pin it all on Scott Service is not fair. I just had to get that out there. And like he said, I play the guys who are on my roster. And these are the guys who are on your roster. I think our collective biggest beef is that Jared Kelnick was in neither yesterday's lineup on Wednesday or tonight's lineup and he wasn't even picked to hit off the bench in the ninth inning two lefties pinch hitting and he neither of them were were him which which is interesting because you feel like if you're constructing a lineup of the nine best Mariners hitters Jared's one of them and he didn't appear in either lineup on the two most important games of the season I don't get it. And he's had a decent year against lefties. He was certainly crushing lefties early in the year, but he's still been decent against lefties. And I'll tell you what, for the guys that are being thrown in the lineup with more Haggerty Caballero, it hasn't been smooth sailing against Southpaws the last month. Look at these numbers. Dylan Moore's my guy. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that. I love Dylan Moore. But I'm also reading objective numbers here. In the last month, since September, he's hitting 167 with a 35 WRC plus against left-handed pitching. That's entering Thursday night. Jose Caballero, the guy who they seem to always play against left-handed pitching to play at second base in those games. He is hitting 125 with a 32 WRC plus in September. So that is nearly 70% below league average against lefties in the month of September. And Sam Haggerty, 91 WRC plus. He's hitting 250, walk rate 11% against Southpaws in the month of September. Now he's been the best of those three. Sample size for all of them is fairly small. But for being so adamant on playing those guys, it's not even like they're crushing Southpaws right now. They're not. I would rather see Kelnick in there. I'd rather see Ford in there. I'd rather see Canzone in there. Or I guess Canzone wouldn't play in that scenario. It'd be Rojas. I'd rather see Rojas in there and just roll with it. 
I am all about analytics. You're all about analytics. This podcast is all about analytics. But when it gets to this point in the season, there's got to be a little bit of feel of these are our best bats. Let's play them. What was worse about all of this is how quickly those guys were all yanked out of the game at, after the starter got taken out. I mean, Caballero and Haggerty got on Wednesday got one at bat apiece, right? I had that right. Yeah, one at bat apiece, and Demo got two. But as soon as the opportunity arisen, I mean, they were out with with zero confidence with a right on right matchup. Now we we always talk about platoons left on left to to protect lefties against facing lefties. But your average right hand hitter, you would expect can can hold their weight against a right hander because eighty percent of arms, seventy percent of arms in baseball that you see are righties. So it's just kind of strange. It just, it just feels like the confidence level wasn't high enough in those guys to to leave them in the lineup, which brings back the question of why were they in the lineup in the first place? You you can like your bench, sure, but if you if you feel like the guys we're putting out there on the lineup are on their best day, like a fringe starter, on their average day, a, a probably a bench guy, and replacing those with the other guys we have on the bench. How, like, how does that make your lineup better? I don't think it does. And I'll tell you what else it does. It burns your bench. We were on the phone yesterday talking about this. So let's just share our thoughts with the listeners. If that game had been close on Wednesday, then all of a sudden you don't have Dylan Moore or Sam Haggerty or Jose Caballero off the bench to pinch run. If that game was close, you could have Mike Ford running the bases in the ninth inning. Now, I guess you could pinch run Canzone, who's faster than Ford, but he's not fast. You could pinch run Luis Torrens. That'd be the last guy on the bench, who, again, probably faster than Ford. He is certainly not a speedster. I feel like those guys are much better suited to do what they do best, which I know sometimes they've hit lefties. A lot of their careers they've hit lefties, and let's acknowledge that. But lately they have not. So if that's the case, just let your best bats hit. And if you're in a close game late, then you can get those other three in and you can pinch run them if you need a guy on the base pads. They didn't even have an opportunity to do that on Wednesday because they were all burned. And the Mariners like to be strategic too, but it seemed like that construction and that game plan is anti-strategic because your most athletic, best base running lineup is your original lineup that you put out there. But then once it actually starts mattering, it's not. And that's when you want to be technical and you want every minute detail to be as correct as possible and as in your favor as possible. And and I don't think that that plan, that rotation of players was that. And in the end, they didn't score enough runs. They weren't good enough offensively, as well as they didn't pitch well enough either. And the Mariners end up losing to the Astros on Wednesday. The other thing I want to note from that game I don't want to rag on Julio too much. It's been a tough couple of weeks for him when they've really needed him the most. We entered this month thinking Julio had a legit shot, a legit shot to be American League MVP if he absolutely set the league on fire in September. And he hasn't. He struck out four times yesterday and left eight guys on. He homered tonight, big home run. But on Wednesday in a crucial game they needed, he left eight guys on and had a golden sombrero. And from your superstar, like, that can't happen. Like, the superstar label means you can't do that in that kind of game. 
That's that's unfortunate for Julio, but that's what the rules say. It hasn't just been Julio, too. Look at the last couple weeks. So this is entering Thursday. Julio in the last two weeks, 56 WRC+. plus. That's not what you need out of a superstar. You can't have it out of your superstar. Teoscar Hernandez in the last two weeks, 56 WRC+. plus. That's not good enough. Cal in the last two weeks, again, this is all entering Thursday, 95 WRC+. plus. He picked it up a little bit from where it previously was when looking at these two-week sample sizes a couple days ago, but still below league average. And then Gino, 93 WRC+. plus. So same thing. It's not atrocious, but you need more from, you need much more than that from the four guys that you expect to provide the most force in your lineup. Like that's just not good enough as a collective unit. You wonder why this team's not hitting. There it is right in front of you. JP's been awesome. The walk-off hit tonight encapsulated all of that. He's been awesome in September. His whole year has been great, but the guys behind him aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it encapsulates just the entire team not hitting this month. A lot to complement the fact the pitching is having their worst month. And now we sit here on a Thursday night saying, okay, for the Mariners to keep their season alive, they're going to have to win Brian Wu's start tomorrow. That's like, that's what it's going to come down to. They are going to need to win Brian Wu's start tomorrow. They're expected to use an opener, which you and I both agree is probably Matt Brash. We hope it's Matt Brash. The one inkling concern I have with the amount of platoon talk we've had here today and have has been had on the internet in this last week is that Scott might want to throw a lefty out there to try and get more of a lefty slanted lineup, uh, uh, or sorry, a more right-handed lineup in there for when Wu comes in and help him out a little bit. The problem is the Texas Rangers, like they have a deep team, but they stick to the same starting lineup most of the time they're not really a platoon team so I don't know if that's going to work and I'm I'm curious to see what Scott does tomorrow and what he does I think you and I though both agree I think Brash for two innings to start tomorrow would be the best the Rangers first three guys in the lineup tomorrow is almost definitely going to be Marcus Semyon, Corey Seager, Nate Lowe am I right yep so that bears the question of who is the opener. It should be Brash. If it's up to us, obviously we're just two podcasters and fans, but if it was up to us, yeah, it'd be Matt Brash. If he has a good first inning, he could go two. Wu could go from the third to the sixth or seventh, hopefully, and hopefully get some length out of him. And then all of a sudden, if he could get through the seventh, then all of a sudden you can go Topa in the eighth, you can go Munoz in the ninth. That would be great. But we don't know if that's what they're really going to do or not. Now, it will probably not be Gabe Spire because he just threw two innings tonight on Thursday. I doubt he's the opener in tomorrow's game. In fact, I'd be shocked. So that would probably leave Taylor Saucedo if they're going to go with a lefty. That's not impossible, but I think it should be Matt Brash. I think so too. And it's it's less to keep the load off of Brian Wu, I think, and more of just to protect him from facing Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and Nate Lowe in extra time. I think I think that's pretty obvious. You let's have your best arm face their three best hitters the first time and then the third time and the fourth time your bullpen will face them again. So essentially in an ideal world, Wu might have to face them once. 
Is that an ideal world though? Because then that's not a ton of length out of them, and then you're asking your bullpen to do a lot again. I feel like he's shutting everyone down. Which right, well, but it, but I don't know if I have faith in that. But if he's shutting everybody down, Brian Wu on Friday, that would mean he would probably face them a second time. Because let's say Brash goes two innings and essentially faces the lineup once, the whole lineup about once. So Wu goes against Semi and Seager low to start that outing. And then you would think he'd face him one more time because then you're essentially saying Wu goes, what, two innings? I would think he's going to go more than that. No, maybe some bad math. Again, math. We went to ASU math is not our, <laughs> definitely not our strength. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if Brian Wu would make it to face them again if he's facing him in the sixth or the seventh. Do you, like, do you think they would let him face him twice? Like, again, yeah, because if – again, if Brian Wu throws the third and fourth inning and then he goes out for the fifth, it would probably be time for Semyon, Seager, and Lowe to hit again, maybe right. in the sixth inning. That would only be two innings of work you get out of Brian Wu in that sense. I think that's oh, well, a lot. I think I was yeah. thinking they'll hit again in the late sixth or seventh. If you're pitching well is my point. Okay. I th- I still think – we may have to see how that plays out tomorrow. I still think he might face them a second time. He would not face them a third time. No. I think he may face them a second time if he is cruising and they feel like he has pitched well enough to warrant it. This fall, stream your favorites and discover more with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus together. Watch the highly anticipated new season of Loki and see the ghosts materialize in Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Catch more frights with the Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delicate on Hulu. And on ESPN Plus, get into the action with college football and NFL. All of these and more streaming now. Get the Disney Bundle with plans starting at $9.99 a month. Plans with ESPN Plus starting at $14.99 a month. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Ooh, I'm trying to have some sort of expectation for Brian Wu tomorrow, but man, he is just giving you nothing against the Rangers. I mean, you're you're right, and it, like his Rangers outings have been struggles. Again, I I kind of throw that debut out the window because it was some unique circumstances. Yes, but yes, his his last start against the Rangers was not good. It just gets back to this point though of if you use Brash in the opener. And right. then you use Wu for a couple innings and the rest of that lineup gets up again. You're already thin on your bullpen because I don't know if Spire is going to be available here on Friday or not. He just threw two innings last night. So you're asking a lot of guys to go again. And if Brian Wu only got you through, say, the fifth inning, then you need four innings of relief. And and that may be Topa and Munoz to go more than three outs. Maybe you can use Campbell again. But I don't think they have any interest to go to Bizarro or Leone in these games. So... That would either mean Wu gets stretched out or you need more innings from your big bullpen guys. Just going to make it to the Castillo-Kirby starts. That's what you need to do. Somehow bridge the gap there, and then you hope Luis and George go seven innings each. I think that's where the, the pitching strategy rests. Because, you know, every, I think as it goes down the course of the season, until they're eliminated, everyone's available every day, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you got to win these games. So... <laughs> you, you have all off season to rest that that that's where it might be at but i think it's really important the first five innings like the first the two innings of brash and the three innings of woo like are the mariners going to be in the game in the fifth inning tomorrow that's the question i have because in these starts where it's not one of your top level guys going against the rangers 
The game's been over by the fourth inning. Can you be in the game in the fifth inning? Can your bats hit early? Can your pitchers not totally melt down by the fifth inning, through the fifth inning? Let's say through the fifth inning. Can you be within two runs? Make it manageable. That That's, that's your chance. That is your chance tomorrow. They need it, and they need these bats to get going. This offense kind of owes its pitching staff a good night at the plate. They haven't had a lot of them as of late, and they're facing Nate Evaldi on Friday, who we said it on our last pod before they face the Rangers. We'll say it again. He is nowhere near at the top of his game. There's no reason these guys should not jump on him. And like you said, I want to point out what you said about can they get past the Brian Wu start. Because all of a sudden, guys, if they get past the Brian Wu start and they can win on Friday, things get really interesting. Because then all of a sudden, you've got Luis and Kirby going Saturday and Sunday with a chance to take you to the promised land. There's nothing better you'd want to draw up than having those two going. And on Friday, down in Phoenix, when the Diamondbacks and Astros play, it's Zach Gallon going, the Cy Young contender. He's going to be on the mound on Friday, and the Diamondbacks have not clinched yet, so they've got something to play for. Gallon's going to be all systems go on Friday. Now, the Cubs start about 90 minutes before the Diamondbacks here on Friday, and if the Cubs lose, that helps the Diamondbacks' playoff chances too. So that is something to take into account, but 90 minutes before isn't enough time. So Gallon should make it through his whole start, and you would hope he gives the Diamondbacks some good innings on Friday, and that would help the Mariners out. So say the Diamondbacks win, and the Mariners get a win tomorrow out of the Brian Wu start, tomorrow being today when you're listening to this, Friday. Yeah, things get really interesting again. So let's see. And then Merrill Kelly goes Saturday for the Diamondbacks, who's been awesome this year. So it's possible. And then Bryce Jarvis on Sunday. And then if we look at the Rangers, it's John Gray projected on Saturday, Dane Dunning projected on Sunday. The Rangers could clinch by then, and they might not throw those guys. They might just throw a bullpen day two days in a row. I don't know. They might shorten it up. It'd be curious to see how the Rangers handle the pitching once they have clinched. So we'll have to see. It's what a three days we're in for, Lyle. It's, you know. But you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be even keeled because I've already taken my side of this. There's been a line drawn in the sand between believers and non-believers. And I'm firmly two feet entrenched in the non-believer side. I can't take back my word. I've already dug my grave. If they make it, I'm wrong. And I'm going to own it. So we'll see. See, I can't do that. I, I I've just got too much fandom in me to let myself do that. You say there's a line drawn. I think I'm right between it because I think my heart says root. My brain says, don't let yourself do this. And they're, they're, they're at a war right now. They're fighting. So I can't pick a side. I am going to keep rooting. Now I know that the odds are really stacked against them. I know that, but it doesn't let me really stop rooting either. Even tonight when I was watching the game here on Thursday, like I was still rooting. Again, I was not happy with the way the offense showed out, but I was still rooting. Yeah, it's it's just hard to draw a line. Which, speaking of tonight, I know we're kind of wrapping up the baseball talk here. And then we've got one other thing to talk about, obviously, before we get to our ump of the week and speak your mind. Can we give a shout out to Logan Gilbert, by the way, who may or may not have made his last start. Dude had an unbelievable year again. He has taken, he's taken another step in his development as a pitcher. He made all 32 starts this year. He got to nearly 200 innings. He was top 
five in baseball in walks per nine for the year. He wasn't giving up free passes. He had a career low in XERA. And oh, by the way, in his two full seasons in the show, because in 21, he didn't get up till mid-May, his two full seasons in the show, three win seasons. That is a dude. Logan Gilbert has been a dude for the Mariners and exactly the guy that they drafted back in 2018 and hoped he would be. When you draft a pitcher in the first round, that's what you want. That, that's what you expect. You expect a workhorse in your rotation who will be productive and will eventually grow into a very good major league pitcher. And especially the jumps Logan made with his off season, uh, with his off speed this year, with his slider, with his splitter. So happy to see the evolution of Logan and, and really excited if we don't see him again this season in the playoffs. What he's going to bring to to spring training next year. Very, very exciting. I think you got one thing to read before we get to uh, our last subject. I do. And before we get to that subject, which has certainly been a topic over the last day or two, let's talk to you about our friends over at the Columbia Athletic Club. Columbia Athletic Club, Juanita Bay in Kirkland, is a full-service, family-owned athletic club that's been inspiring healthier lives since 1981. Amenities include all-new strength and cardio equipment, free weights, basketball and squash courts, saltwater pools, hot tubs, along with so much more. Included with your membership are group exercise classes with the likes of yoga, Zumba, bar, group power, and cycling, the best promotions of the year. Start now through the fall season. Get started with a free five-day trial at ColumbiaAthletic.com. That's ColumbiaAthletic.com. There was another story in this Wednesday Mariners-Astros game, wasn't there? There was. Hector Neris allegedly said something to Julio Rodriguez that was not cool and really, really, really strange behavior by Hector Neris. If you missed the story, somehow it was out there everywhere. On Wednesday, Neris struck out Julio Rodriguez in a big spot, walked right at him after he struck him out. Julio's walking towards the dugout. Hector Neris walked right at him, screaming at him, and allegedly dropped a homophobic slur in Spanish that Julio heard and Eugenio Suarez, who was on deck, heard and both got irate. One of the strangest exchanges and actions by a player I think I have ever seen First, just the way he walked at Julio, just to start with that. The Astros dugouts on the third base side at T-Mobile Park. Mariners dugouts on the first base side. When Hector Neris struck out Julio, he starts walking toward the Mariners dugout and toward Julio, screaming at him. You'll see pitchers scream at hitters as they walk back to their own dugout sometimes. That happens. I have never seen that. I've never seen a guy just walk right up to a hitter after a strikeout and scream in his face. So that was a little odd, and a little is putting it lightly. And then obviously the bench is cleared as a result. And you think to yourself, well, Julio's not rattled that easily. And actually, he's not really rattled at all. He is one of the more even keel guys you could possibly find. But something sparked him. And then we kind of found out why. It went from, you know, the be- the bench is clearing. We-, we hear everything happen after the game. Adam Jude's the one who gets the report. I he was talking to Suarez, I would assume, right? That's where mm-hmm. he got the, the story about what was said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there's gonna be, there's now an MLB investigation as of today undergoing on what Nara said and what will be constituted by it. But it's really telling that what happened today 
was it, we found out like Neris and Julio were friends. They're they're both from the Dominican, and they like knew each other, talked a lot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Julio came out today and said he's never talking to Hector Neris ever again, ever again. How many people in your life, Lyle? What would someone have to say to you that's your friend for you to never talk to them ever again in your life? It would have to be something pretty egregious, like like ten out of ten egregious. Yeah, but apparently, what what Hector Neris said was that bad, and you know, credit to Gino. I mean, he again, he's the one who goes on the record and says this right away, holding Neris accountable. Which, I mean, could you imagine if someone said something like that in English and the TV cameras caught it? Like, it would be a enormous outcry. But it's in Spanish, and America's a primarily english-speaking country with a especially baseball audience which is majority english-speaking wouldn't catch that but i'm just thinking like who in the right like who what would have to go through your mind to say that after you struck someone out and julio is not looking at naris he's not he puts his head down in frustration and walks towards the dugout and naris comes at him and says that it's ridiculous i mean it's it's seriously ridiculous Again, you're right. What does go have to go through your head to say something like that? And by the way, why in the world would these two guys make this up? Not only would it not make any sense in the world to put out there a story like this publicly, because if you put something out like if you put out a story like this publicly and then it turned out to be not true, you'd look ridiculous. So why in the world would these two guys lie about that? And oh, by the way, two guys who are for all we've seen, two of the best people, not just on the Mariners, but in the game of baseball. Two guys that are incredibly friendly, welcoming to everybody, inclusive, everything. Why in the world would they lie about something like that? They wouldn't. So it it lets me to believe it's probably true. And when Julio talked to the media here on Thursday, because he got out of the clubhouse pretty quick, at least it was reported on thurs- on Wednesday night, and didn't talk to the media after, he had a session Thursday where he said, what you just mentioned a minute ago, that he's never talking to Hector Neris ever again. And he also got asked, was it true that he used some homophobic slur? And Julio just said, I'm not commenting on that. Now, again, if it wasn't true and Julio was going to say, look, emotions flared, two teams fighting for a postseason spot. He just started yelling and let stuff get the best of him. I feel like Julio would put that out there and say, look, just let's let bygones be bygones, heat of the moment. Hector Neris has been a friend of mine. We'll get past it. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. So again, what reason do these guys have to put a story out there like this if it wasn't true? For everything I've taken away, yeah, it's true. And all the reporting from the Seattle Times points to that's what was said. Multiple people, I think they they went on anonymously, confirmed that that is what was said by Hector Neris. This has to be the grudge he held from last year, right? It has to be. Which makes no sense because now, for those who don't know what you're mentioning, Julio last year in Houston in June hit a home run off Hector Neris. After Neris, by the way, had been throwing at multiple guys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gino included. He was throwing it, guys. And what does Julio do? He hits a home run, helps the Mariners seal a win in Houston. And I watched that video again over the last couple of days. Julio, not one time in that video, looks at Neris. He's not screaming at Neris. He's not trash-talking Neris. He's fired up rounding the bases. He gets to home plate, goes back to the dugout. Him and his teammates are fired up. There's nothing in that video 
that shows him screaming at Hector Neris. I guess Neris held a grudge for nearly a year and a half. That seems We've seen grudges crazy. held longer. Hunter we Strickland. Have. Yeah, former <laughs> Mariner Hunter Strickland, barely. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, well, Hunter Strickland never never used a homophobic slur on somebody because he was holding a grudge. And this just adds to another uh, another line on the laundry list of dog shit things that the Houston Astros have done over the last six seasons, seven seasons. It keeps growing. And by the way, Lyle, nothing backed up our claims that the Astros are are the organization is like. Do I want to say shitty? Yeah, shitty. Yeah. They have acted shitty in a number let, of ways. And we put, okay, we put let, what? let's jump let's in. Let's put here. it like this. On the field, they are as good of an organization as it gets. On the field, they win, they produce good players, their development system's good, they've made good offseason moves in trades and free agency. Baseball wise, they've been great. What you're referencing, and I agree with you, is everything else shitty. You can go check out one of our latest tweets uh, where many of, many of the Astros faithful confirm how shitty like how shitty off the field the Astros are and that's fans included I mean but I I can't believe Lyle uh that people voluntarily expose themselves like that of being (laughs) a pile of shit voluntarily online to the public with your face on on your profile you just go out there and you're like yeah I'm a pile of shit (laughs) voluntarily I can't believe that. So this is what we laid out in this tweet for Astros fans after it got reported that there was allegedly a homophobic slur used at Julio by Hector Neris. Again, we didn't tweet this out after, oh, Hector Neris was fired up after a strikeout. As two people who love just celebrating your victories in baseball, we would say, look, we might not like the Astros if it had been a situation where it was nothing but celebrating getting a strikeout. We might not like them. We wouldn't be tweeting about it. Otherwise, look, you celebrate when you win. We get it. But after that was reported, we tweeted out, oh, here's some things the Astros have done in the last six years. There was the Yuli Gurriel thing in the World Series where he made some racial remarks toward you, Darvish. There was Brandon Taubman, who was their former assistant GM and part of their front office, who made some ridiculous comments regarding Roberto Ozuna, who they used to have on the team a few years ago. And he ended up losing his job over it. There's the cheating scandal, of course. There's the fact that, oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about this. Remember when Dusty Baker said he's tired of his guys getting hit when Munoz hit Chaz McCormick the other night? So Mariners Twitter and just people look this up. Since 2021, the Astros had hit 17 Mariners batters, or the Mariners had hit 17 Astros batters. Yeah, let's do that again. Astros had hit 17 Mariners batters since 2021. Yeah, you got it backwards, yeah. I did it wrong again. Okay, rewind, rewind. Don't listen to me, people. Okay, three, two, one. Here we go. Now listen. The Mariners have hit 17 Astros since 2021. The Mariners pitchers have hit 17 Astros. The Astros pitchers have hit 33 Mariners in three years. 33. So we put that on the list that they've hit 33 Mariners batters in three years. And then now we put this Hector Neris thing. We said, what a franchise that is. That is quite the laundry list of things you've done. And what are some of the responses we get, TJ? Because I'll tell you what, if there were accusations of somebody on the Mariners using words like this, I don't think we'd be sitting there saying, oh, it's fine. He didn't do anything. Well, let's defend him. No, we, we'd be we'd be like, you can't say stuff like that. That's not okay. 
we wouldn't be saying they need to toughen up. It happens all the time in baseball. Oh, these that's Astros. the general consensus reply we got. Julio needs to toughen up. Uh, that was one. There's the classic Astros fans reply of, oh, Mariners fans crying, being soft again. No, we're not talking about the loss. We're talking about something that was totally out of line that was said, allegedly. And there was a ton of replies of, this is the most ridiculous one, by the way. Well, I've been lip reading, and here's what he actually said. <laughs> it was taken out of context. It's like, yeah, let's take the word of Astro's Twitter, who's lip reading, and saying, oh, I speak a little bit of Spanish. Here's what he said. Uh, he didn't actually say this stuff. Yeah, over over two people who were right next to it and heard it. Yeah, that's that's credible. Sure. Oh, I wish you could spend less time online, man. Yeah. I mean, we really they, brought out the bottom of the barrel. Like we tweeted that. I'm like, okay, it might do like, it might do fine. And then I wake up this morning and I'm just eating breakfast and I'm scrolling. I'm like, oh my God, they, <laughs> these people again, voluntarily telling on themselves for how shitty of a person they are. Like it's incredible. Just, just going to the edge of the world to defend Hector Neris and like, like essentially knowing this is possibly what he said. And saying, I stand with Hector Neris. Like, what are these people doing? Tells you a lot about, about humanity. And, and, and realize, wow, there are a lot of shitty people in this world. And I'm glad they just tell on themselves so we know not to deal with them. And I guess a lot of them are in the city of Houston. Jeez. Hmm. Whew. Man. What a week, yeah. Lyle. What a week. Yeah, we, we've had a lot to get off on our chest on this podcast. And I know it's supposed to be... Somewhat of a positive podcast that the Mariners are still in it, which is, I think, what we did at the start of this. But, man, yeah, that this Hector Nera stuff really rubbed me the wrong way. And, no, it's not because the Mariners lost. Yes, we can be frustrated about the loss. That's not what has people up in arms. Like, again, it's what he allegedly said, which is totally out of line. What is even a suspension for that? Is that a five-game suspension? Or is that, like, we have no tolerance for this, like, 15? It's probably five. So when Yuli did that thing in the World Series with you, Darvish, he got suspended five games to start the next year. And honestly, if Neris does get suspended, it's probably not till next year. I doubt they're going to keep him out of postseason games. That's what Major League Baseball essentially said with Yuli Gurriel, too, is we're not going to suspend him and keep him out of a World Series game. They suspended him five games the next year. That's ultimately what they decided on. We are not Major League Baseball, so we don't we don't get to hand out the punishments. And if it's Neris and something gets proven that what he said was true, I would guess you'd see something like a five to seven game suspension next year to start 2024. In conclusion, I can't say I'm shocked that happened in that organization. I, I just can't. Too no. much of a trap uh, of, a, of a rap list. Can't, can't say it. Okay, before we get to our Russell Wilson umpire of the week, Shout out to Simply Seattle, uh, our friends over at Simply Seattle. If you want to get some cool Mariners gear, you can use our code MARINE15 for 15% off of your order. They just, after this JP walk-off, introduced a new shirt, spelled CAP on it with JP in front of it. They're obviously referencing Captain, but they're pretty sick shirts. You can go grab them over at simplyseattle.com. Use our code MARINE15. You can get all your best Mariners, Seahawks, Huskies. They dropped some new Sonics gear today as well, I saw. It was pretty cool stuff. So if you want to get all of your best Pacific Northwest gear, go to Simply Seattle and use our code MARINE15 
for 15% off your order. Okay, our Russell Wilson Umpire of the Week. Until this evening, we had a different candidate penciled in to this spot. However, the king of this award couldn't stand to be left off the throne in the final week of the regular season. Lyle, take it away. It is so fitting. Angel Hernandez, come on down again, buddy. Despite not umping for two-thirds of the season, you make yet another trip around the sun on this list and are back on the Russell Wilson Umpire of the Week stand to take home the award. So in this Thursday Phillies game, Bryce Harper allegedly checked his swing. They appeal down to third base. Angel Hernandez said he went around. They then go to the replay and show not only was it not close, Whatever the next step beyond not close is, that's what it was. In no world did Bryce Harper check his swing. Yet Angel Hernandez said he did. Bryce Harper was pissed off for every good reason. Went out to the third base side, over to third base, screamed at Angel Hernandez. Of course, he was kicked out of the game for this. Angel threw him out. Bryce Harper, after getting his words in, goes back to the dugout. By the way, on his way back, he chucked his helmet into the stands and a young fan got it. That was pretty cool that he's just screaming, firing up the Phillies fans, and then he chucks his helmet into the stands and some fan caught it. Then after the game, this is my favorite part. Bryce Harper, man of the people. He talked about that ejection and he said there is always going on something going on with Angel. He is always in the news. He is always known for making calls like this. And the quote that got me is Bryce Harper said, I am going to get fined again for being right. Talk about a banger of a line, Bryce Harper. (laughs) Yes, you are. You're going to get fined again for being right. And yet Major League Baseball will do nothing about it. Credit to you. Love the line. Man of the people. And Angel Hernandez, you continue to be just an absolute shit stain to the game of baseball. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Shout out to you, Bryce Harper. So in conclusion, struck out on a pitch he shouldn't have struck out on, got ejected in a game he shouldn't have been ejected in, and then held the man accountable after the game. Man of the people. Let's go, Bryce Harper. Oh, maybe you didn't hear the quote. Maybe you didn't have time to see the quote or whatever. So yeah, that was a quote. Did you see it? No. Yeah. No, I didn't. That was his quote after the game. He said, I'm going to get fined again for being right. Yes, you are. And you continue to be right, Bryce. Hmm. But here's Angel Hernandez going to get sued up for another season of being on the Russell Wilson Umpire of the Year Award next year, despite the fact he is total and utter dog shit at his job. Congratulations, Angel. What a way to conclude this regular season. Hats maybe, off to you, buddy. Yeah, maybe in the offseason, if we have the time, hopefully we do. We've talked about how we're going to have to go back and tally these up to give people an update on how many times each person's won the award and give the yearly award out. If we can have time and find some time here in the offseason to tally it all up and give people an offseason update on it, we will. We can give out a little offseason Marine Layer Pod Award if we can tally it all up for our ump of the week because... That would be really fun. And I'll tell you what, in a full season of work next year for Angel Hernandez, my money's on him to win it. I would say this qualifies as not seeing over the middle. I know usually we talk about not seeing over the middle with calls, but when that is blatantly right in front of you and you miss a call that badly, that would qualify. And you are insufferable as usual. So 
you would check both of those boxes, Angel. Just absolute banger of a way to go out for the regular season with this award. Can we add a, a fourth criteria that you also don't play any defense? So not oh. allowing Bryce Harper to go the whole length to run up and scream at you and just cowering. Um, um, Russell's defense isn't exactly playing defense these days, that's for sure. Could you call it a defense? Maybe not. Well, they were supposed to be one of the best defenses in football like they were last year, but oh. they ain't looking like that. Mm-mm. No. Regardless, no defense from Angel Hernandez. Uh, congratulations, final regular season, Russell Wilson, umpire of the week, to the one, the only. Okay, let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. All right, Lyle, what's on your mind this week? So again, I know this is really supposed to be a more upbeat podcast because the Mariners are still in it. And again, I think the first few minutes of this one, 10-ish, 15 minutes, were, and we highlighted how they're still in this thing. And then there's been a lot of negativity in this one. Well, I'm sorry, but negativity's taken its circle here once again, because what is my speak your mind this week? Taylor Swift is now destroying NFL Sundays, <laughs> destroying them. Hey, did you see the report? She's going to be at the, at the Chiefs-Jets game? How could you have possibly missed it, dog? <laughs> I mean, how could you have possibly missed she's going to be at yet another Kansas City Chiefs game to watch Travis Kelsey after all they did on that broadcast the other day in the Chiefs-Bears game was essentially talking about Taylor Swift. And to be fair, maybe there wasn't much else to talk about because it was an absolute one-sided affair where the Chiefs just manhandled the Bears. Hot but, seat, man. my dynasty fantasy quarterback, but that's a side note. The problem is, like, the biggest problem is, like, now Swifties are invading the NFL. And, and now it's, like, totally intertwining. And I here, – here was my entire Twitter timeline this weekend. It was Samariner stuff, but honestly, above ev everything else, it was Taylor Swift and a bunch of Kevin James pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then – the thing because of Taylor Swift on Monday when everyone got back into their media cycle, I mean, holy shit! How much NFL media was just, was just talking about Taylor Swift on uh, on Monday? That was uh, that was something. On top of that, are we going to get a breaking every week on which game she's attending? Are wherever we? the Chiefs are, probably. Have you also seen the thing where the new TikTok trend where? girlfriends of guys who are big NFL fans are telling them that Taylor Swift made Travis Kelsey. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I have seen the trend and I'm going to put something on the line here and I'm not the first person to, to state this. Our, 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 our buddy, big cat, not that we actually know him, but pardon my take a podcast, which we love was talking about this this past week. And he said, look, Travis Kelsey is better at his job than Taylor Swift is at hers. And I agree with that. Travis Kelsey is probably the second best tight end to ever play this game behind Gronk. I don't think Taylor Swift is the second best music artist to ever live. So what are, what are people going on about with Taylor, uh, Taylor Swift is the only reason Travis Kelsey's famous. Again, like you don't have to be a sports fan. I know I'm a sports nut. And basically that's what I live and breathe and not a whole lot else. 
you don't have to be a sports fan, but like, because now there's a whole trend going on where Swifties are like, so what's a down in football? Again, you don't have to be a sports fan, but like, you don't know that? No, <laughs> apparently not. There's a, there are, this season, there are going to be a lot of first time NFL watchers because of this. Fully because of this. This also inserted a worst case scenario into my head. What if Taylor Swift ever eventually decides to perform at halftime of the Super Bowl? Could you imagine the ticket prices? Could you imagine the coverage and all of that? <laughs> I mean, we're not going to a Super Bowl anyway. No, we're not, but it would be a... How do I put it? An interesting uh, interesting crowd for, for the biggest game of the year, the most watched American sporting event <laughs> every year. Yeah. They were saying, too, on part of my take this week, again, another thing I agree with. There's all these Swifties out there that don't like the relationship. Is there, is there anybody that they would enjoy her or enjoy seeing her in a relationship with? Like, is Fabio good enough for Taylor Swift in their minds? I, I don't even know. I think, again, this is what they were saying on part of my take. And honestly, so credit to them for talking about this. I second all of it. I think in their minds, they actually don't want Taylor Swift to be in a relationship because they want to like relate to her and all the music she makes where when she's just like ripping through the mud, her past relationships, her, all her fans can be like, oh yeah, like I, I, I totally get that. Where now if she's in a relationship, she's actually fine with, then they're like, well, now we don't get more music of her just, like, ripping past relationships. But in, I don't know, February, I think a new album could come out. Do you well, think they maybe, make it, do they make it through the NFL season? One, no. And two, honestly, what if the two of them have some marketing managers who just orchestrated a whole deal under the table where Taylor said, hey, Travis, let's, like, get in the public eye for a couple weeks I'm actually then going to end things, make an make a new album where I'm talking about you and just rip you on my new album. But it's okay. You're going to get some of the profits off it. And I'm letting you know in advance that I'm going to do this. And Travis is like, oh, that's fine. We can put on a stunt for this and I'll just, I'll just wear it. Because Travis Kelsey is like as confident a guy as anybody. He's probably, if, if that were to happen, he'd probably be like, yeah, whatever. Let me be devil's advocate for a second. And let's look at the positive side of this. This takes all the attention away from Brittany and Patrick, uh, uh, Brittany and Jackson Mahomes. <laughs> oh, it's a dream. It's a dream. Oh, my goodness. Pete, oh, this is like, this is still one of the happiest things in my life that finally I don't have to see these fucks in the spotlight ever. Like, did, Patrick did, Mahomes is a, going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. And because of that, his wife, and his brother are writing that to all of this fame. You're nobody. <laughs> I can't even stop laughing now. Well, one that you said that and two that I'm thinking about this. Did you see that picture that somebody tweeted out this weekend saying, like, here's Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift. And it's a picture of Tanya Harding and Nancy yeah. Kerrigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, again. Yeah, what do they say? What do you think Brittany and uh, and Taylor say to each other as they pass each other at the sweet in the sweet level? Think they say anything to each I other? No, or is I, it just I like imagine, a dead stare forward? I imagine it's some spinoff of that viral TikTok that was going on last winter of uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson walking by each other, where it's like, "Excuse me, brah," and the other one says, "You're excused, and I'm not your brah." 
That's what I that's what I think of when when Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes pass each other. It's something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, this is probably not what our Mariner listeners thought they were going to hear this week. But yeah, I mean, this is what Speak Your Mind's for, right? We get things off our chest. Look, like, you do you. Everybody's allowed to live their own lives. TJ and I are not the biggest Swifties in the world. So here we are talking about it because, yeah, we just like to watch football on Sundays sometimes and, and like, not need to hear about Taylor Swift. But here we are. The unfortunate thing of this all, though, is that we're doing Taylor Swift a favor by spending 10 minutes talking about her on this podcast. Let's be abundantly clear. She lives rent-free in my head. Her and her fans absolutely live rent-free in both of our heads because, like, we were, yeah, we're sitting here talking about it. We're saying, like, we can't stand listening to this stuff and seeing this stuff. So, yes, they're living rent-free. So, she's doing her job. Good, good job, Taylor. Like, you're... You're you're occupying space in both of our heads, but we still are saying what we're saying. My speak your mind this week, a little bit shorter on a more positive note. Vacation in two weeks. There we go. Looking forward to that. New York City, two and a half weeks, uh, less than two and a half weeks. We would imagine the Mariners will not be playing then. Um, So wrong. We yeah, let's hope we're wrong. Uh, might be a little bit more scrambling if that's the case, but if it's not, uh, five days of great food, great company, and a really fun place to uh, to go visit. I'm very, very much looking forward to this. We've had this trip planned for four months now, and it's really nice when it's right here on the doorstep uh, staring down at it. So that's what's on my mind. Looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad you're ending this podcast on a positive note. And that's how people can spin this. Hey, they started positive. They ended positive. Here we are. I'm looking forward to it too. Very much so. I mean, both our families are from New York. I think we're both going to see some family before all of all of us friends meet up. It's a bunch of our friends from ASU that are going. And then we're going to hang out in New York City and be in New York City for the course of about five days as our group of friends. And yeah, do a bunch of fun stuff. I think we're really looking forward to it. We really love New York City. I think we both enjoy all, almost everything that that city has to bring, and that's why we're going. I think fall's a pretty good time to go, and yeah, we're we're looking. I mean, we're definitely looking forward to it. I know your food list just keeps growing, and we've talked it does, about this trip. It, it does. I, I was going to say we've talked about this trip on the podcast here before, and now it's a little bit closer, and we're bringing it up again. And that list of food, I don't know how we're going to get to everything, but we're going to hit some of them. And I know you're really looking forward, Lyle, to going back to Dunkin' Donuts. We've taken many quality trips to Dunkin' Donuts together, and we finally get to go back. That's the first Monday when I'm there, waking up and drinking my coffee. That's the first place I'm going. We're going to Dunkin' Donuts, and we're thriving. It's so BS. There's no fucking Dunkin' Donuts in the Pacific Northwest. You got to go to California for the nearest Dunkin' Donuts, and I think that's a travesty. But two and a half weeks. I will have Dunkin' Donuts. Well, I'm not buying anything from loser Starbucks, that's for sure. Will you drink coffee if you buy it from from Dunkin'? TBD. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't feel like I need it. I feel like if I really need some energy in the morning, I just, I'd rather drink a five-hour energy. It, it doesn't stain your teeth. It's a lot smaller. It's a lot easier to intake. My teeth are and white. Also, let me, and, <clears throat> and let me be abundantly clear. I don't almost ever drink five-hour energy five-hour energies. I just don't rely on caffeine, period. I'm not a caffeine drinker. In certain scenarios, like when we're on trips and we're running around doing all this stuff and probably not getting a whole lot of sleep, then sometimes I'll 
do something like drink a five hour energy, but I certainly prefer that over coffee or energy drinks or things like that. Maybe I'll get some food from Dunkin' Donuts. Although I was going to say, if I was going to get something like a bagel or even a donut, I feel like there's a lot better places in New York to go get bagels than at Dunkin' Donuts. Yes. No, yeah. <laughs> significantly. And there's yeah. some on the list too. I was, well, I was going to say, we, we went to some great bagel places the last time we were in New York. So yeah, nothing against Dunkin' Donuts. It's perfectly fine place to get food and coffee, but I think there's a place to be You can hold it against Dunkin' Donuts. It's fine. Yeah. It's What's fine. up? No personal feelings. You can hold it against Dunkin' Donuts. That's fine. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm indifferent about it. I, I certainly prefer it over Starbucks. Let's make that clear. But I, I think I might get my bagels at a more authentic New York place. You're in New York City. You might as well get real New York bagels. Then we'll have plenty of options. Yeah. And for a bunch of other great food too. So mm-hmm. that's a nice way to wrap this podcast up is we are very much looking forward to our trip. And you know what? If the Mariners are still playing, we'll tell you this. We will bring our mics. We will do a podcast. We will make it work. So despite being on a trip, if the Mariners are still in by then, and let's hope they are, we will still be doing content. We can promise you that. If they're not, we're still going to set up a show for when we're in New York. We'll probably pre-record it before we go on the trip. I'm sure we'll find a guest to have on and then have that episode release on a normal Wednesday. If we go back to off-season Wednesday, one-a-week shows where we still talk Mariners and baseball, but... Yeah, so that's our plan. And and just one more programming note before we officially wrap it up that if the Mariners are in the playoffs, like we talked about, we will do a post-game show after every playoff game. If they're not in the playoffs, we will go back to one-a-week episodes beginning Wednesday, or we'll have an episode Wednesday and then just be one-a-week moving on forward through the offseason until 20, 2024 starts. So that's just your programming note. Programming note. But yeah, I think we covered a lot. Let's hope the Mariners get it done this weekend. Odds are against them, but they're not out of it yet. And they can do this. Get through the Friday start, the Friday game with a win, and you just never know. So that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full-form podcast, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Follow us there. Download our episodes. Leave us a five-star review. The reviews, the downloads, again, they really, really do help us out a bunch. So just take the couple extra seconds and do that. Watch us on YouTube. Have a video side of the podcast there. You go follow. No, well, yes, follow us on YouTube. But like, comment, subscribe, and turn the notification bells on over on YouTube. And then follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts. We're always active there, at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.